This conference will now be recorded. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, yes. Um, so what do we say now? Well, now you've become all self-conscious, which is why we should have started recording earlier, I think. Self-conscious like hurdle to jump over the moment it's imposed. And you've got this like <laughs> formal voice going, This conference is now being recorded. Not that I can do impressions. <laughs> but but you know, you've got this very formal thing now saying it started, and now you're going, Ah now now, now I feel like I'm being watched or listened to. How, how does it feel to be um someone less successful than Jimmy Carr. Isn't that like 99.99% of the world? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or even like add a few more nines on there. Yeah, yeah, to get AWS availability. Anyway, hello, I'm Stu and you're Dan. You're, you're talking like in a weird, unnatural way now. I'm not sure that's what we should be doing. Okay. <laughs> You upon your radio voice. <laughs> oh, I've got a oh, 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 please. I'm coughing a little bit. It's not around it. How um, do you know? Well, I don't know, actually. I mean, yeah, I haven't okay. seen anyone. I've been in one supermarket since it um, all went into lockdown mode. Have you been, Have you had everything delivered or have you been going out? No, we've been going out. We can't, can't get a delivery for love of money around here. I mean, you get you you go onto the Tesco shopping site, and there's literally nothing for three weeks. And there's rumours that if you get on there at like exactly eleven thirty, you can get a spot three weeks in advance. But I'm yet to do that. Um, I've got past the Ocado paywall, although I shouldn't really admit that, should I? Nah, I think you probably should leave leave it there without going into detail. I don't know if technically it counts as hacking. I haven't, I haven't, ha I haven't hacked anything on their side. I've just blocked it on, on my side. Right. Yeah. Tell, tell that to the judge. Come on. Like, I, what I, what host names I allow into my house is up to me. If I was running some content firewall and it blocked Facebook, you know, like pie hole. And if the policeman knocked on your door and said you wanted to talk about it and you explain that to them, you think just nod the head fully understand and go, yes, that's all fine. Well, look, I have respect for the police. Um, <laughs> he uh, said I do... radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> but I do expect that, you know, that you might have to talk to a different policeman from the one who generically knocks on your door. Yeah. Yeah. Or, 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 to a different one. I don't have many dealings with the police, but I do remember from the one time I did jury service um, and my experience of listening to police giving evidence at uh, while I was on a jury is that I don't think any of those policemen would understand the subtleties of blocking an IP address with your host file versus hacking a server. And that's not to say that there wouldn't be other policemen who would understand it, but I, I think your typical yeah, but I think it's might knock on the door. The look, I look what I actually did was not contact to that website rather than just allow it. Yes, to be you don't have to explain it's it not, to me. You know, how I can you, you like? Is how is it? Like, think about it. Take it back to bank robbing, right? Take it back to bank robbing. Why is that an area of expertise for you? No, but police know loads about it, right? Um, so. <laughs> So, okay, so I'm not sure how it works for bank robbing because I've got to something that there would have been a queue for. So, yeah, okay, so let's, let's say I'm you, queuing for a Do you actually have a relevant analogy here which involves a bank? 
I'm trying to get there. Actually, I'm thinking about moving it to Alton Towers to like a theme park. Okay. So I've just gone to the theme park, to Alton Towers, and there's a big queue for a ride. Yeah. And somehow I am not in that queue. I'm at the front of that queue, but I didn't do it by skipping the queue. I just walked through an open door that, that there wasn't a sign saying I couldn't walk through. Right. And what's your claim? Is it a claim that it's not a crime or it's not a crime against humanity? I'm not I'm not I'm not going on about a moral status here. Right. I admit okay, there, could, there could be moral questioning, but <laughs> it's not like I have taken money from a bank or pushed in front of people by walking past them in a queue. It's that there is a different entrance into the queue. It's like if, it's honestly, you know what? It, you know what it is? I'll give you the example. Right. Frequent flyers getting allowed on the plane first, you know, that they get let on the plane first. I don't know why they want to get let on the plane first. Because so you're saying that's just more time on the plane. Understanding how to use a host file is the equivalent of having frequent flyer status. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could say it was frequent flyers for computers, because once you understand the power of the host files, you can do all sorts of stuff anyway, can't you? Yeah, OK. Uh, I, half, I half buy that. I mean, as a developer, um, I would like to so that I can. Uh, I, I regularly point ho websites uh, over addresses that I'm developing so I can sort of pretend I've got the live site somewhere and, you know, look how this thing would work so if it was... You getting really confused sometimes, though, when you forgot you've changed your host file and then the, the oh, thing comes so, up. So much. Yeah, so much. <laughs> <laughs> so much wait a minute is there a potential product for a, a host file management on your desktop where you you can have actually some sort of visual interface to warn you about what host file settings you've got and things happen if you're accessing something via its host file or is that a dumb, a dumb idea you know i don't think any ideas are dumb anymore i i wonder how some you... ideas are dumb what the rubber car to make parking easier someone actually made it although they made the, <laughs> that you know, wasn't I, what i literally just sprang to mind i'm just saying you can have dumb ideas well let me tell you what for years it was in men behaving badly right um <laughs> yeah Ma martin clune said to the other bloke the brummy with the brown hair neil morrissey he said um blah 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 and he said what like the rubber car to make parking easier and it's made me laugh for more than 20 years, that, that thing. I absolutely <laughs> love it. More than 20 years ago, this was. I absolutely love this idea. But it was never actually about reverse parking, right? So, someone did it. I think, is it Renault or someone? They put rubber panels down the right-hand side of the car, on the left-hand side of the car, so that you can't get a dink. So there was me thinking the rubber car to make parking easier was actually about some sort of reversing aid or something so that when you bang into a car then you have to pull forward a little bit and you go, oops that's metal on metal there's probably some paint damage now they just put rubber sides on so that you can park wherever you want and someone will dink the side of your car and it doesn't really matter because they just dinked rubber i mean that's a really good thing and i don't know why more cars don't have rubber on it but maybe they need to stylize the rubber so it looks metal you know there's got to be something in it okay don't enough. get me started on matte cars, cars that look matte. What? What? I, I, I think we're veering off off topic quite se sincerely. <laughs> Sorry, it's quite severely. If um, okay. we start talking about our hatred of matte cars, I don't think that's what this podcast should be about.
I mean, I, I think they look terrible on day one. You're still talking about it. I want to talk about my idea of a product for managing your host file locally so you don't confuse yourself. Yeah, okay. Okay. Make sure you build it in Electron so it needs 500 meg of RAM to edit that text file. <laughs> but I'm not even editing a text file. There's something, a visual indication of what's going on. Or maybe something can just go like glow red if you're accessing something at a particular host or something. You know, this probably sounds like um, a good Chrome extension or Brave extension now, seeing as Chrome is Persona non grata. Um, yeah, I suppose so. But would at the Chrome level, does it know if it's resolving via a host file? Oh, but I, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, you'd have trouble there. Because I was thinking it could just flag up if it's loading 127.0.1, but it's probably more complex than that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure when you do like an NS lookup or whatever the system equivalent to that is, that it tells you which which thing gave you the reply. So you might you might you might need something that's actually going to read etc. Hosts and then yeah. use that. But then Chrome Chrome extensions probably don't have permission to do that. I would have thought. And they probably can't read not... file real files, yeah. can they? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Pretty big um, security not to be able to read files and also access data on all websites so that you could glow something red. In fact, can you imagine if you were able to write the host's file from the website and literally you could do anything, didn't you? Google.com <laughs> now points here. Now it points yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good hack. Well, it reminds me of the Zoom installer. Did you read this article last week about the Zoom installer? When you install Zoom, at least it did this in the past. Um, what it used to do is it would it would pop up and say Zoom needs to run this pre-installation script to check whether it couldn't install, and then if it had permission, it would install it anyway before you click install. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty nasty. But I don't understand. Well, Zoom is so good when you use it. I don't understand. I just don't understand why they needed to do any of this stuff. It's it's, it's just it's like growth hacking mentality of. You know, anything that's a potential blocker to growth, how can we get around it? And you stop considering the ethics and just do do the stuff that gives you the growth. So like, oh, we're, our, our funnel shows that 47% of people aren't clicking the install button. How do we get around that? Make it so we install it anyway. And, you know, if yeah. you just care about growth and not the ethics, then that, that's the sort of actions you'll take. Yeah, I mean, all they needed was a worldwide pandemic to grow them. They must be like doubling numbers all the time, right? It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, what, what, if, if you're in the business of home working, then, you know, it's the ideal growth strategy, isn't it? I'd say what, you know, the thing about working from home. So I've been, you know this, and, uh, but, you know, uh, for our listeners, which is probably you and I later. <laughs> no one. <laughs> Hello, listeners. No, no, I'll tell you what it will be. Today. It'll be me uh, me and you when we listen to this back, back and we're just going, oh, God. What, what? A, I, <laughs> a, I hate the sound of my recorded voice and B, this is utter trash. But yes, our listeners, hello me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure it's trash. I have smiled once so far. I'm happy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Let's anyway, see how we get on. That's meta. You can't talk about meta things, right? Yeah, you're probably right. On to, on to the <laughs> sorry, sorry, me for being meta. <laughs> <laughs> me, remember, you are a strong, confident man. <laughs> right. So, anyway, let me talk about working from home. It's interesting, right? So. 
I've worked from home for the last 10 years, you know, all the time. Obviously, that doesn't mean every day at home because you've got customers, you go see them and you've got prospects and you go to conferences and all that sort of stuff, right? But in general, I've worked from home for the last 10 years and I've had it seem as though it was slightly odd, you know, especially when you're working with the bigger customers, you go on webcam and I've got a proper home office, I know you have as well, where they can see the other desk in the room, they can see the chair and, you know, whatever, and I've got a little fireplace behind me and stuff. So they can see all that, but they're in an office now suddenly they're all at home. And the dynamic has changed because none of them are in proper offices. They're all like in their kitchen, sat at the dining table or, um, you know, they're on the sofa. Like I was on a call this morning and the laptop, the screen of the guy who was talking to, kept moving left and right and I couldn't figure out what he was doing and then it only dawned on me towards the end of the call that he was just jiggling his foot on the floor and he was sat <laughs> on the sofa with the laptop on his lap but that meant his camera was literally bouncing up and down for the whole call and for him this is totally normal because they're they're just new to working from home but all the people who've been working from home for ages you know I've got webcams that are mounted on top of the screen so they're roughly level with my eyes I've got proper sound equipment I'm talking to you through a Rode podcaster mic even though technically this is probably the first recording of my voice that would ever be used for a podcast if we decide to launch it um you know there's it's it hasn't leveled the playing field it's flipped the playing field I am suddenly the pro and I always was, you know, okay, professional and idea. super pushing it forward. And, you know, I really believe in tempo. The business I've got really tries to always have a constant tempo and keep pushing, keep going and keep pushing forwards. You know, it's we've got this tempo. Um, and, I, and I've always thought that we were faster than or pretty much everybody else. Maybe that shows my ridiculous mentality. But, um, you know. I've always thought we could push and largely you could push because we had this thing about we have our meetings in the morning and we work in the afternoon. Um, so we try never to have meetings with customers in the afternoon because we're trying to get everything done as early as possible so that then we can go and do work. You know, and it's a company thing. Actually, I don't think that's anything to do with working from home. I think it's really sensible. If you're running a company, just ask everyone to talk in the morning and ship in the afternoon. Dead simple. Anyway, what's what's changed for you? You work at home. What's, what, what's going on with you? Um, I don't think much to change at all, to be honest. I mean, the the main difference is the kids are home now with the school shuts and there's more noise in the background. But on the flip side of that, everyone understands the kids are at home. So whereas before, if there's a screaming child in the background, you you know, with, with my like longer standing clients, they completely know my situation. So they're totally fine with that because I've already built up like years of credibility and, you know, they couldn't care less if there happens to be a screaming child. But obviously for newer clients who that you don't have the same level of credibility, you're a bit more concerned that they might, you know, have a negative impression of a screaming child in the background. Uh, whereas now everyone's got screaming children in the background who's got children. So it's it's become totally normal. And I literally don't think anyone cares about it. Um, so I, if anything, it's made in things in that respect a bit easier, but you know, I'm still working from home. I still go out for about an hour every day for exercise. Um, so things haven't changed that much. So you haven't found, um, any, 
any customer changes any st in the in the stuff you do for people what have they been changing or do they not come on camera and or like all, all so my current customers all my current customers are distributed companies anyway so they're either solo entrepreneurs or they're distributed so you know in in the sort of like the little culture i have between me and my cu customers um you know it's it's very normal for people not to be in an office in fact it, it someone being in an office would be very much the exception normally let, never mind now right yeah see i've got some larger customers let me tell you a story actually so we've been building a product at work called super social polish right i only actually bought the domain name for it today um the dot com yeah i didn't want okay. to buy super so, so you got super social polish.com yeah yeah right, so say, say super social polish fast three times in a row super social polish super social polish super social polish <laughs> not too bad i just put my umbrella up and i'm floating away um uh what was i saying oh um oh yeah so we <laughs> so i used this amazing service the other day that i'd never heard of called fat joe and fat joe okay. is a company based in the midlands and i think they're just like an agency that um out the back door they've got freelancers that write seo articles so i said well i didn't say to them i went on their website and ordered an article to start to try and promote this because the thing for me is i can i can write on a topic say if we're writing a pitch at work i can literally sit down and write two thousand words if i know okay here's the structure here's what i've got to do bang 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 here's how i would build it bang 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 it just flows out so quick and i can write two thousand words in a in a sitting really quite quickly it'll need heavy editing but the whole thing is to keep the flow. The first I draft now, I, yeah, I don't do the editing then because that loses the flow. If if you are actually starting to knock out paragraphs, you can come back to it. You've got to look again. Of course, you, what sort of animals don't do this? Which is why a second hatred of mine, hatred, that's just, <laughs> well, I just don't care about Sorry. it. Grammarly. So if we're enumerating hatreds, it's one Matt Cars and two is the thing you're about to say. Matt Cars, yeah, and Grammarly. You know, Grammarly, the um, the grammar you checker. You used to say you loved Grammarly. I know. I did love it for about a few weeks. Then I cancelled my subscription um, because I realised what it did was it was great when I was trying to fix one paragraph or write a quick email. It was terrible for any real writing because Why I, became, I became paralysed on getting a good score or a good, you know, not so oh, right. many dotted lines. It was um, perfection being the enemy of good. Yeah, and and what actually the thing is, I would go back to it later. Well, in in the last couple of days of me using Grammarly, I would write it in Google Docs, and then I would go paste it into Grammarly and have a look at what it said to fix it. And I could see that that is possibly still a thing that I could do that, if that, I had that makes a lot more rage cancelled. Yeah, because the whole thing is, it's about the the flow like i don't know whether you've tried it, better than hemingway which we looked at the other day oh i've got, I've got no idea i, I mean um, you would imagine I mean, are they roughly similar in terms of what they do do you think no i think um i think grant well you know i could be falling for the marketing stuff but i think um grammarly says that it does more uh you know proper grammar rules and things like that right okay um but who knows Anyway, so the, the thing is, I can write all this, but on this super social image plugin, let me tell you what it does. It takes, if you if you were to share. Are you doing guerrilla marketing now? 
No, no, but well, sort of, a little bit, but not really. Right, because what well, to you? Do you want to put it on your website? No, but I think uh, are, are you? Well, let me let me do it. Let me do it. You, you product on, on the podcast that is right. going to have two listeners called Dan and Stu, and going to go, oh, that sounds good. I might try that. Well, okay, let's see whether. Why didn't you no, give me my my guerrilla marketing right? Yeah, so yeah. tell tell me tell me what t- tell me what your super social super social polish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, God, tell me what Super Social <laughs> Polish does. All right, so this is less of an elevator pitch and more a set of stairs. Um, so you're you're a website owner. You've got a website, and you write a new page or you write a new blog post, and you pop an image in that in that blog post. So you get this image from wherever you get it, and you pop it in. And then when when Twitter comes along and you share that on your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed or you share it in Slack or you share it on LinkedIn, whatever it is, um, those things come back to the site and look for an image to pick up. Now, there's some technical details around Open Graph and Twitter cards and all this, but that's not less important. Um, the fact is the social networks want to collect media to um, to show alongside your tweet, you know, your tweet could be something like, "Hey, my new post up on um, Bussies is live. Have a look." And then it would go back to your Bussies website and collect a picture of a bus. So anyway, the story I was going to tell you is we finally got this post back. The project has actually been live. The product has actually been live. It's been on live on one of our customers, a customer called Four Four Two, which is a footballing website, which you know about. Um, it's been live on it for months, right? And it's really good. And we even had to scale the prop product up to be able to deal with um, 442's load because it's a very, very busy website. Um, you know, of all the football fans and all the stuff, it's really super busy. Does that mean if I go so, to twitter.com and find 442, then I'll see your product's images yeah, in their feed? Go to twitter.com slash 442, yeah. Go to that. Okay. And then... If you see their articles, so not their pinned tweet, but where they're linking back to their website. So you have to go like three or four down. Oh, I see. So you've got 442 like in the top left and like the, the text. Along and then the, the headline is going along the bottom, right? Now, yeah, all of okay. that is templatable, right? You can, we've got yeah. a, a, like a, an admin section where you can mess about and pick the fonts and put all the stuff around and upload the images and whatever. And whenever it tweets, that just goes back to our platform. Now, they've said they're going to put this back on, but we'll see. But what they've done, today, they migrated to a brand new CMS. So on the day that I publicized, hey, we've got this new product, get in touch. We haven't built like a billing system for it or anything like that, because why would you build any of that when you're still testing the market to see whether people will um, sign it up, right? I, I happen to know people at 442. That's why they um signed up for it but um they've migrated their platform to another cms today so on the day that i announced this thing goes live i i wrote a post on linkedin i wrote a post on facebook etc etc and on our own website where i say here look have a look 442 are using it like this it looks fabulous they migrate platforms to another platform talk about you know so how how does your product integrate with their CMS then? Um, well, I, I, you sound like you're tempting me into doing more guerrilla marketing. Just just two two minutes. I'm just in, I'm actually interested now in how how it actually integrates. 
given in that. In the most you, simple, so it's sort of like um, a Google Analytics integration in that um, you can pop tags in and stuff. But really, in theirs, we just set, they, they used to use Drupal up until uh, about an hour ago. Um, so in their meta tags, we just put our URL, the URL to Super Social Polish in front of their meta tag. And then oh, I see. So, so back. if you go to the page, the meta tag with the open graph data actually points to your server. Exactly. So, like, if you and went now to... and then you CMS, it doesn't have the same open graph tags. Yeah, yeah, but it will. It will have when they um, when they sort it out because they so really what have like they migrated it. to. Are they not on Drupal anymore? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to talk about them. I mean, they're all lovely people, and it's fabulous. But I have got no idea what they've done. You know. Okay. And they didn't tell you either. <laughs> Well, I didn't ask them because that's not why we're engaged with them, you know. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, but like in real in real terms, the meta tags are set like Twitter colon image and OG colon image. We just reset them to have our domain in front of the current URL and the little ID to say which um, look and feel would would be used. So in the same way that in Google and Analytics, how, you get like how, an embed how, how code. How do you know which image to use? Uh, you set the rules up for that in the Super Social. All right, so you've got like a GUI where you set your template and also this is how I get a title and this is how I get uh, an image. Yeah, and also stuff like um, you can do uh, bits and bobs that allow you to say, and this is where my headline is, or don't use yeah, that okay. headline, use this. It's not just pick up the H1, it's what text do you want? And soon we'll be launching um a load of other things about it so that you can actually set the text that's on there rather than just have it come and collect it you know uh, like one for example we're going to launch a, a shopify plugin for this so that when you share the products from your shopify store it will put the price into the image that you're sharing right that's a really good idea so so you start promoting this then have you we literally started today, and then the person we started promoting it with four so, so moved why, to their new platform. Why is it not resolving when I go to supersocialpolish.com? Oh, right. So, yeah. Okay. Just, you're just picking holes, aren't you? Well, you know, a, you ma a man tries to do something new. Something <laughs> I'm just asking the question. Just asking the question. <laughs> um, did it buy uh, Super Social Polish with hyphens, did you? Is that where I'm going wrong? No, no, no. It is supersocialpolish.com. I bought the domain today. Oh, right, okay. For the last day, I forgive you. Yeah, but the product for the last so many months has been running on a subdomain of fullfuckthings.com, um, which is the you know my day job. Uh, so it's yep. been running on a subdomain of that, and um, we'll keep on running it in both ways on the subdomain and on its full products. But as I started calling it Super Social Polish in the blog post that we wrote, that once again just went out on fullfuckthings.com and to LinkedIn and whatever you know. Um, as we did that, I thought, actually, what well, I haven't bought the domain for this yet, so I went and quickly bought it, which was a bit silly of me not to have bought it in the first place, you know. Um, so yeah, we own that now, and we've got we've got a nice little roadmap. I I really like the idea of the Shopify plugin. I mean, we we've got a WordPress the plugin. Shopify plugin actually sounds like a good idea, partly yeah. because you can just add it as an app you sell in the Shopify app store potentially not charge very much for it but then you know there's if you can get some sort of traction in the shopify app store you could have you know there's a reasonably sized market there of people who might actually think it will help them sell their products yeah well that's the main i mean we'll put it on wordpress as well because um 
I, you know, there's so many WordPress things out there that. Um, yeah, that makes sense as well. That, and especially with the, the the WordPress blogging community is so large, and once people start getting traction, social media is. I mean, for the websites we build for customers, social media is such a big driver still of traffic. You know, the article, yeah. individual articles, blow up for people because they just get shared and shared so much on Facebook. I mean, one of the websites we used to be involved in was Fast Car, and um. You know, if 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 they forgot to update Facebook, oh, their traffic, dipped. you know, it it was like putting stuff on Facebook gave them such a boost. It was amazing. It it was amazing just seeing how much that drove and how much the um the uh, engagement was based around someone seeing it on social media and not at all about just having a nice front page. Um, yeah, and I'm no, always right. saying, I, I think so, social to a large extent has replaced sort of search in terms of content discovery now hasn't it yeah it's fascinating Is content discovery the right term i don't know whatever gets you traffic yeah i mean i i think some people get into bed too much with facebook you know we've got some published customers and they they've launched private groups on facebook and they and you know they only let people in that they know as subscribers and stuff like that but Fundamentally, if you're a publisher, you're in business to connect advertisers with readers. The content, of course, the content is important, but it's they don't make money from the content. They make content from the relationships between advertisers and readers, don't they? Yes, um, uh, unless you've got a subscription model. Well, yeah, even even well, yeah, okay, yeah. So that's that's totally valid. But my point is that when you move that community away from your own site onto Facebook. You're just giving Facebook ad revenue, and yeah, you're having yeah, nothing. Absolutely. All, all for the fact that everybody's got the Facebook app on their phone. So I understand this concept of like pleasing the users and giving them a way to, you know, mobilise around the joint cause and whatever. But why are they doing it on Facebook? It's not expensive anymore. I mean, you could spin up a discourse um, forum and get them on that. In anything but Facebook. Come on, this is. I don't know. I, don't, I guess it's just Facebook is where a lot of the audience is, and it's a it's a bit of a deal with the devil that you think we've got to do activity on Facebook to find people, but then Facebook has all these ways it, it tries to lock you in and keep keep your users on their platform, not your platform. But uh, you know that's going to be like an ongoing battle for any um any content publisher to either go how can we leverage Facebook or are we just going to uh, Try, try to access our, our audience without using Facebook and you know that's it that's obviously a different challenge what I find interesting though is that if you have a direct comparison to YouTube for example YouTube wants the content right YouTube yeah. wants the content and it's happy to do revenue share with you on the advertising it shows around that content so if you're to create a professional group on Facebook and say it's got you know 20,000 people in it or something like that which some of these things have why wouldn't Facebook share a bit of revenue with it? It's they've just got no interest. There's no interest there. It's it's a different model. They're not trying to help businesses on Facebook. They're trying to help Facebook. You know, yeah. and YouTube YouTube, yeah. I mean like, you know, you can be negative about Google and negative about Facebook, positive about whoever. Um I think this is fundamentally different. I understand why people publish to YouTube and I understand why the revenue share model exists. 
I still don't understand why people create private groups and and basically hand their audience over to Facebook. I know their audience are already there, but why hand over your your sort of slice, your little bit to them? It's just it's just not sensible. Sure, push your products up there, link out to your website from the posts on there, hope they engage with it. But creating a Facebook based product like these groups that I see the publishers that we were doing. I think it's, I, I just, I, don't, I, I just don't yeah. know what to say. I, I, I think it's short-sighted. I, I, I tend to agree. It is a difference between doing stuff on Facebook and leveraging Facebook as a marketing um, source. But, you know, I, I'm very much not the expert in it. And who knows? I mean, we all know Facebook do very shady things, though. So, yeah, you know, something where you're more explicitly getting benefit might, might seem a safer route to go. But. Who knows? Yeah, let's move on. So yeah, you, let's you move know, on. That, that, that got a bit boring, I think. I mean, yeah. <laughs> when, when I listen back, maybe we'll have, have a different view. But I, I, I feel the first half so far is better than the second half. All right. Do you think Dan is still listening later on? Uh, I'll, I've, I'm long gone, frankly, at this point, <laughs> I reckon. <laughs> or, it or, might be on... <laughs> or I'm fast-forwarding, going, right, right, let's find the bit where we finish talking about Facebook, because then it got interesting again. <laughs> it's now! <laughs> um, so you and I went to the virtual business of software last week, and yeah. um, there were a few sessions that stuck out for me, but I want to talk about... The one about running distributed companies, because, of course, that's really, um, well, that's happening to almost everyone who's who's got an office job at the minute, right? They're running distributed companies all of a sudden. Yeah. And I can't remember, it was Peldy who runs Balsamic and Wildbit, was it Natalie from Wildbit? And they were talking yeah, I think so. about how they run different distributed companies. So at wild bit all the work is sort of laid out i might be getting this wrong now but i'm going to say it anyway all the work is laid out and it's all asynchronous and people do their work and check in when they can and you know all of the work happens around the work whereas peldy from balsamic was saying that they he only he's a distributed company but it's not asynchronous it's more classical in that um they still have daily calls they have stand-ups they're they're on the phone they're in slack chatting to each other and doing normal things. And I found that fascinating because when I started this distributed company that I'm in, Full Fact Things, 10 years ago, I didn't even imagine that it would all be asynchronous. I thought, it, it, we just don't have an office. That's the only difference. We still have chats every day. You know, to this day, we still have a 9 a.m. morning call, which is quite annoying because I'd like to do Joe Wicks's morning workout. Um, and, you know, I think Can everyone's I happy. We have Joe really Wicks's number level. three to things we hate. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I hate Joe Wicks and I hate his floppy hair. Oh, come on. The man is giving all the money to charity. I don't want to add this. It's like room 101. I do not want to add Joe Wicks. You started the list brilliant. of things you hate and, that, and then you mentioned something I hate. You're okay. Okay. Well, look, I don't hate Joe Wicks. You hate Joe Wicks. I Fine. think he's doing a great thing for kids. I think he's really doing a great thing. And there's nothing wrong with long hair. What's wrong with I long did, hair? I, I didn't say I hate long hair. I said I hate his long hair. Oh, that's fair enough. That's very specific. Well done. Um, so anyway, the, the whole thing on distributed companies, I just thought it was fascinating because I bet you all of the 
big businesses that are out there, and big means they probably had an office before. I bet they're all still calling around constantly and making sure people are at their new pseudo desks and I'm sure that's true, but isn't the difference between Wildbit and Balsamic about whether your employees are or team members are largely in the same time zone or different time zones? Because obviously, if you're in the same time zone, being synchronous is probably relatively straightforward. Whereas if you're literally distributed around the world, then it's going to be very hard. And yeah. is that possibly a driver to the difference rather than any sort of cultural difference? I mean, the, the, that, that might drive the culture rather than the culture driving the synchronicity. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder. I tell you, like, on a personal note, I've wondered about employing people in different places before. And, you know, hands up, I just haven't really done it because I don't know how to do it. In the UK, you just have an employee and your accountant sorts it all out and then you give them some money at the end of the month and pay them. Yeah. Well, as you know, I, I had a lap work recently just, just for a bit of subcontracting but i seem to remember reading on upwork you can actually employ people as employees through upwork and and i think reading some of dhh's twitter feed recently there are there are other companies who essentially will be the intermediary where they go we'll actually be the person who employs this person locally but they'll be your employee and we'll bill you but surely they're going to take quite a decent cut on top of the yeah salary they'll, they'll that, take right? a cut but they're taking the cut for simplifying the bureaucracy aren't they because you know uh, uh, do you want to know how to employ someone in kazakhstan and pay the local taxes and national insurance or equivalent or do you just want to pay a company to sort that out yeah pay a company because I, mean, I, I guess the alternative would be that you have to set up a local company in that region and have it have its own profit and loss and own accountants and all that sort of stuff right yeah, I don't think yeah, some exactly. So worldwide way it makes sense that there's isn't. companies that are basically offering that as a service. Do you know what percentage they take? No idea. Why don't we, if we ever do program notes, put in the program notes the relevant links to these companies and let people find out for themselves? You know what? I, I, that is that is the podcast equivalent of let me Google that for you, and I'm never gonna. Um, assume that our audience is, is that stupid that they wouldn't just use Google or Duck, Oh no, Duck. but they wouldn't know exactly what to Google for. I, I literally just said it was in DHH's tweet. So, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, there's, there's a lot of those. So it, it would be easier for us to find the thing we were talking about and link to it rather than just let someone Google and literally find anything. Yeah. I'm not committing to doing program notes. I'm just saying that if we were going to do program notes, that's the sort of information that makes sense to put in them. Yeah, but we're recording this um, on GoToMeeting, and GoToMeeting automatically gives you a transcription, not the same as program notes, but we'd have a transcription that um, we, it's probably going to be terrible English, especially if you try to talk really quickly, it can't keep up, and it all goes crazy. Good and th does it does it pause your brummy accent? <laughs> uh, it does, actually. It does. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, whether, whether it passes my ridiculous cartoon character voice is a different matter. Yeah, when you laugh, it probably thinks there's something wrong with the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Right, should we wrap it up? I was going to say, I was thinking we were getting to like typical podcast episode length limits now, and I'd also run out of things to say. So I, th I think we should wrap it up now. And, um, and yeah, let's see what this sounds like when we listen to it back. 
and you know, on the next one, I'd I'd like to talk about. Um, I mean, we'd love some listener questions, right? Um, <laughs> and the first question comes from Dan in Horsham. Dan, a little bit later on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd like to talk about the fact that we both are quite busy doing our work for customers and all this, but we both want to launch products. I mean, I'm sort of trying at the minute, but it's a relatively small product. But And that recently we've been talking about whether we should do something and how we can do it. And we've actually tried to hold each other accountable uh, for it a little bit, but that's not going very well yet, is it? We need to settle into that a bit better. Um, yeah. So, okay. Right. See you later. See you next time.